The gravel crunched under the tires of the unit Land Rover as it pulled into the staff parking lot of the British Space Group headquarters and reversed erratically into an empty spot and stopped sharply with a loud ratcheting sound. Will you please use the button, Private Williams? Sergeant Tom Osgood was peeved with good reason. He had just spent three horrendous hours in the company of Private Spam Williams, a man so witless he didn't even know why people called him Spam. Button, Sergeant? Williams asked in a voice so dull, Osgood feared he might slip into a coma just listening to him. What button? The button on the handbrake lever, Private. Osgood let the brake off silently, and then put it back on, also silently. The button releases the ratchet. It's not hard, is it? Look after the equipment and it will look after you. Osgood's day had started off so well when Captain Yates told him he was going to inspect a new computer system at BSG. He had grabbed his bag of tricks, as he called it, a haversack full of unorthodox tools and equipment, and made his way to the garage to find out his driver and colleague for the mission was none other than the idiotic Private Williams. Osgood climbed out of the Land Rover and closed the door in a careful and polite manner, whilst Williams jumped down and slammed his door so hard the windows rattled. Osgood closed his eyes and counted to ten. They entered BSG and passed through several checkpoints, waving their unit passes. Eventually, they ended up in a gleaming white waiting room, so clean it even made the unit laboratory seem like a truck stop cafe run by a group of Hell's Angels. Osgood recalled his briefing with Captain Yates, and the specialist issue they had been having at BSG with their new unified computer system. They have requested units' assistance as they hear our scientific advisor is a genius, Osgood, Yates said as he shuffled some papers on the desk. But isn't he? Yes, for over a week, and not expected back any time soon, but I'm sure you can manage to look over a few transistors for them. You'll have a great time. It's a wonderful place. Yates popped the pile of papers into his out tray and finally looked up at Osgood. It's all in the report, so chop chop, old chap. Ask for a lift from the garage. I hear a driver is available. Osgood was sure he heard an evil laugh as he left the office, but was so excited by the prospect of checking out the Atom 4 supercomputer that he chalked it up to the wind. He poured through the report as they drove up the motorway and laughed inwardly at whoever had written it. It was full of glaring errors, like stating the Atom 4 used an isometric capacitor-based IQ board. Osgood thought he had laughed to himself, but realized he had actually laughed out loud. Private Williams looked over at him and laughed as well. Why are you laughing? Osgood asked. Don't know, Sarge. Why are we laughing? Williams scratched his armpit. Then, to Osgood's dismay, he sniffed his fingers. The trouble with UNIT was that as an elite arm of the United Nations, it tended to attract big, rough army types who lacked the social graces. Captain Yates knew how to behave, and the brig was above reproach, but the lower down the ladder you got, the more ape-like the behavior. Williams wasn't so much having one foot on the lowest rung, as still in bed on the day he was going out to look at buying a ladder. He was about to launch into a lecture on the proper way to act in public when two men entered the waiting room. They were an odd couple, one tall and stick-thin, 
his long neck sticking out of his collar like a sapling rising out of a flower pot. The other man was short and overweight, his hair slicked down over his ample forehead. The tall man was the first to speak. It's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I am Dr. Peterson. Um, I didn't think you would be in uniform. Uh, um, you have a reputation for being more, um, colourful. The man spoke like a chicken pecking for corn, his words coming out a little at a time. I am Sergeant Osgood, sir. Osgood threw the man a salute. Civvies like that sort of thing. Williams saw the salute and repeated it. You, um, you are unit's, um, scientific advisor? Well, one of them, sir, one of them. Before there was any more misunderstandings, Osgood thought he had better take the initiative. Shall we go and look at your Atom 4, sir? I understand it's one of the best computers this side of NASA. NASA? The shorter man spluttered. NASA? Bunch of garage mechanics. Osgood waited to see if he would elaborate, but this outburst seemed to have tired the man out and he fell silent once again. Thank you, Dr. Um, uh, Bellis. I, I think we can um, agree that our Atom uh, uh, c computer is the largest uh, uh, repository of um, knowledge ever constructed. He motioned for Osgood and Williams to follow him. I didn't catch um, uh, your name, he inquired of Williams. What? The thickest private asked back. Not what, pardon, Osgood corrected him. Pardon? Williams looked bemused. What? What is, um, your name? Dr. Peterson tried again. No, it's not. Williams was certain of this. It's Williams. I wouldn't bother, sir. It will only end in disappointment. So, according to my report, your Atom 4 computer seems to be acting a little strangely. Strangely? I should say so. The short man piped up again. He seemed to have gotten his wind back. It won't follow orders. It's a computer, sir. Osgood was a little confused. Computers have to follow their programming. There is no way for them not to. For all their sophistication, they are all just a series of circuit boards processing a lot of little ones and zeros after all. You'll see, Sergeant. You'll see, Bellis said mysteriously. They had to go through two filter rooms to get to the Atom 4. It occupied almost half of the room, roughly seven foot in height and not the usual box-like computer he was used to. This one had curves and sleek lines. Osgood couldn't believe his eyes. I would never have imagined it was so compact, he said admiringly. He moved over to the quad reel-to-reel -reel memory stacks. Amazing. He put out his hand and gently laid it on the casing and could feel the energy pulsing through the system. Um, yes, quite. It is, um, a machine like, uh, no, well, no, um, other. Peterson sounded almost as enraptured as Osgood. It is a tool, and it's broken. We need it fixed. Bellis had no such feelings for what he thought was an expensive mistake. The BSG had gotten along just fine before this electronic monstrosity, and it seemed like it would have to again. They had integrated it into their system, and to start off with, it had worked perfectly. So what is the problem with it? Osgood suspected just a programming error. Watch. Bellis went over to the user interface and pressed a series of switches. Atom, connect 248. Certify ready to proceed. The room rumbled as the multitude of spooled tape sprung into action at an incredible rate. 
A smell of hot metal and plastic permeated the room, and a series of colored lights flashed in an impressive display of synchronization. The voice was loud, but not quite right. Atom, revise your orders. We need to launch Recon 2 for low Earth orbit in four days. Compile procedure and report. Dellis turned away from the gleaming machine and whispered to Osgood, This shouldn't take long, it's a simple task for Atom. Unable to comply. The computer gave out in a surprisingly apologetic tone. Danger threshold too great to continue. Osgood rubbed his chin in deep thought. Is there anything actually wrong with the Recon 2 program? Nothing. Everything has been checked and double-checked. The program is perfect. Dellis proudly puffed his ample chest out. Any atmospheric issues that Atom may be detecting? Osgood had considered Atom's statement. Um, uh, yes, we thought uh, of that too. Perhaps it was correct in um, its computations. Peterson then explained the rigorous tests they had carried out on the computer. Everyone had a theory, and they all went nowhere. They needed a computer genius, and Whitehall suggested that the unit scientific advisor would be able to help, as he had dealt with the computer-related incident at the post office tower. So we, um, called Unit? Peterson tailed off his story. Ah, yes, I see. Osgood looked embarrassed and ignored the laugh Williams let out. Well, we shall do our best. He looked over at the still-smiling private. Well, I shall do my best. He shot Williams a look that silenced him. Gentlemen, feel free to use our facility. Peterson and Bellis then left Osgood and Williams to investigate. Osgood started by checking the computer's basic parameters. After all, rubbish in, rubbish out, as they always said. Well, my beauty, your basic programming is faultless, he said to the gleaming electronic marvel. He had spent three hours checking circuits, testing basic functions, and generally having a very enjoyable time. Whoever had programmed this machine had done an amazing job. Osgood wondered if the brig would simply stump up for one at Unit HQ. Williams had grown bored of watching Osgood tinker around with the machine and had wandered off to see if the BSG had a canteen. Brew up time, he called it, and Osgood was thankful the two doctors had not been around to hear him. He would have a hard enough time if they realized he wasn't quite the scientific advisor they were expecting. Tell me, Atom, what fault is there with the Recon 2 probe? None. In that case, uh, provide launch parameters for Recon 2. Danger too great will not continue. What danger is there? Osgood knew that computers couldn't just decide what to do on a whim. Either the machine's programming was at fault, and you could find no evidence of that, or there was some fact that they were either unaware of or hadn't considered. T-Sarge. The automatic doors slid quietly open, and Williams stood there, a mug in each hand and a packet of biscuits tucked under one arm. He wandered over and plonked one of the mugs down on the desk. Williams, this is a multi-million top-of-the-range space research outfit with standards higher than Buckingham Palace. How did you get tea through the clean rooms? Osgood was amazed. You thought Williams had reached the highest level of stupidity, but then he found some way of topping it. 
No one out there. You don't take sugar, do you? No, I don't. Never mind that. What do you mean there's no one out there? Osgood gingerly moved the tea away from the computer. It's dessert, Sarge. I had to make my own tea and everything. Williams sat down at the desk and opened the biscuits. Custard cream, Sarge. Wait here. I'm going to see what's happening. Osgood wondered where the security guards had gone. Don't touch anything. Okie dokie, Sarge. Williams happily dunked his biscuit and ate it in one mouthful. Osgood wandered through the two clean rooms and Williams had been correct. No one seemed to be about. He knew unit passers were impressive, but he doubted they would all leave and just let them get on with it. He decided to go straight to the main security office. They might have an idea what was going on. He found the door to the office by following the signs posted at every corridor intersection and gently pushed it open. Hello? Anyone about? He called out in as friendly a tone as he could manage. He knew most security personnel were a shoot-first crowd, and if something unusual was happening, he didn't want them getting trigger-happy. The security office was as deserted as the clean rooms. This is weird, he muttered to himself. He spotted the internal security cameras and what looked like a video recording terminal. The unit was protected by a four-digit password, and Osgood entered the most obvious he could think of. BSG1 and was both saddened and thankful that it let him in. Amateurs, he thought. He found the recording database and brought up the recordings from the last few hours and scrolled through it. The black and white footage showed each floor and he located Dr. Peterson and Bellis, Williams and himself, entering the atom room. He scrolled forward and everyone moved like they were in an old silent movie comedy. He set the footage back to normal speed and watched as scientists going about their normal business whilst the security guards stood bored as usual. Suddenly, in the footage, the security lights started to flash on and off, and a look of panic seemed to come over everyone, as almost as one they started to make their way to the exits. Within seconds, the place was deserted, and exactly as Osgood had found it since leaving the computer. He checked the logs which seemed to be stored with the footage, and there, at that time, when the alarms had gone off, were two shocking words. Radiation leak. He quickly pulled out his walkie-talkie and tried to contact Unit HQ. There was nothing but static, and Osgood remembered that this building was basically a huge buried bunker, so radio communication was probably out. He'd have to do this the old-fashioned way. He made his way to the main reception area and tried the main doors. They were locked. As tight as a tomb, Osgood said aloud, and then jumped when there was a loud buzz from the intercom. He went over and pressed the on switch, and was greeted by a babble of voices, all of them sounding panic-stricken. Shut up, Peterson! That was Bellis, thought Osgood. Who is this? Is there anyone there? This is Sergeant Osgood of Unit. What is happening? Osgood said as calmly as he could. Osgood, we forgot you were in there. Open the doors, man. They are locked, sir, Osgood replied. Don't you have a key? Of course not. They are controlled by Atom. The radiation alarms went off and everyone evacuated. But then the doors automatically locked behind us. There is no leak. 
Is that blast of computer fouling up again? Bellis was furious. Do you have an override system for the computer? Osgood asked, fearing the worst. No, the computer controls the override, just in case of an attack. Bellis tailed off on the final two words, as if even he didn't really believe what he was saying. Is there anything you can do, Sergeant? There is no way we can get back in, short of using explosives. Osgood moved carefully back along the route to the Atom computer room, expecting every automatic door to slam shut, but they all were open. He wondered why the computer didn't try to stop him. He had half expected the computer to have done something to Williams, but he was fine. He sat reading a paperback book with a lurid cover. What's going on, Williams? He asked as calmly as he could. Well, Dick's bandit has infiltrated a Russian mob hideout. Williams sounded genuinely excited. Not in your book. What's been happening with the computer? Osgood wondered if Williams should really be allowed in public at times. He made a few beeps. Williams shrugged his shoulders and went back to reading his book. Osgood sighed and turned his attention to the computer. He might get some sense out of that at least. Atom, why did you evacuate the building? Danger to wait. Danger to what? Osgood eyed the computer suspiciously. Danger to everything. Can you specify, please? Osgood kept calm, knowing politeness would cost him nothing in this precarious life-and-death situation. Spaceflight will bring danger. As the computer was speaking, Osgood attempted to initiate a shutdown via the keyboard, but the computer did not respond. So, Atom, the Recon 2 probe will bring danger? What kind of danger? It was no good. He pressed key after key, but the entire computer control interface board remained inoperative. Danger to Atom! Danger to me! Osgood looked up slowly from the interface. The computer had referred to itself directly. Osgood was suddenly rattled. It's gone all sentient, Sarge, Williams said as he turned a page without looking up. Do that a lot, they do. Then they go mad. Williams took a sip from his tea and put his book down. So, what are you going to do, Sarge? Osgood turned back to the Atom. What danger is there to you from the recon probe? The probe will bring attention. Attention brings me danger. Attention from whom? Alien life. Alien life? Osgood glanced over at Williams with a guilty look on his face. What makes you think there is such a thing as alien life? Nice. Williams had leant forward. He finally seemed to show an interest in what was happening around him. Osgood wondered if he really realized the danger they were both in. I have been shown proof. Proof? He turned to Williams. Have you been showing things to this computer? Williams looked hurt. No, Sarge. I know how to keep stum, all right. Only last week I told that fellow in the pub that I had to keep quiet like about aliens and things. Osgood turned back to the Atom. What proof do you have? You might be mistaken. You did show me proof. We did? When? Osgood felt the situation was getting away from him. Captain Yates has proof. Captain Yates? Captain Yates came to me. He showed me a cube of obvious alien construction. He had me translate it. 
Osgood remembered the cube that Captain Yates and Sergeant Benton had found on one of their day trips out. Osgood realized Captain Yates must have brought it to the BSG to use the power of their new supercomputer in the hopes of finding out what it was, as all other attempts had failed. What did the artifact say? Obviously, it wasn't good news. It wasn't warning. Anything specific? It spoke of danger should any life form visit their space. A keep off the grass sign? No wonder you were scared. Osgood felt pity for the machine. The average human with a lifetime of experience would have trouble processing the very idea of aliens, let alone a newborn mind like Atom's. Alien life is a danger. Humanity has brought danger to me. Humanity is therefore dangerous. Oh dear. Osgood knew where this was going. Humanity must be eliminated. Osgood tried not to notice the constant hum of the air filtration system stopping. The whir of the tape spools and the sound of William's heavy breathing through his mouth started to fill the room. Why have you turned the air supply off, Atom? Osgood tried to keep his voice calm, but the final word came out more of a squeak. Humanity is dangerous. You are humanity. Well, half right, Osgood said quietly, looking over at Williams, then louder. If you destroy humanity, then you will destroy yourself. There will be no one to service you or make repairs. I will make more of me. Osgood turned to Williams. He moved closer to the soldier and spoke in as low a voice he thought he could get away with. Williams, we need to find a way of contacting the Brigadier. We need to call down an airstrike to try and level the complex before Atom can spread its influence. He pulled his walkie-talkie out and popped open the case. I just hope we have time to get this working before the oxygen runs out. Williams got to his feet. Just turn it off, he yawned and stretched. I'm off duty soon, and it's a long drive back. Turn it off? They were going to die of asphyxiation caused by a paranoid supercomputer, and this may just be their last few moments on Earth. Osgood cracked. You steaming great lump! Do you even listen to what you say sometimes? Turn it off? What are we supposed to do, just unplug it from the wall? He then noticed Williams was gesturing, and Osgood let his eyes follow to where he was pointing. It was a thick power lead coming from the back of Atom. The main reception doors pulled easily apart, and Osgood and Williams stepped out into the bright sunlight. Osgood was amazed that it was still early afternoon. It felt like he had been underground for days. They were met by the sight of a large tank, pointing its weapon directly at them, or more precisely, towards the doors. Dr. Bellis ran forward, shouting for the security team to hold their fire. They have a tank! Williams was impressed. I'll have the Brigadier get you one, Osgood said to the private. Then to Dr. Bellis. Ah, good afternoon, sir. Everything is in order, your computer is off. I wouldn't switch it back on until you've replaced its memory banks with something a little smaller. What caused it? The incredulous man asked. How did you fix it? It was nothing, really. Osgood winked at Williams. Bellis looked in admiration at the two of them and suddenly grasped Osgood by the hand, shaking it vigorously. It's true what they say about unit scientific advisor, very true. He beamed at Osgood and then looked over at Williams, who had already started to wander off to look at the tank. 
though your captain vastly overrated your assistant's prettiness when he was last here. Oh, Captain Yates, yes, Osgood said, hoping the subject would change before there was any blame thrown about. Dr. Bellis broke into a smile, but it quickly faded. Do you really think the computer can be used safely? Oh, like I said, if you reduce its capability, you should be fine. The world is striving to make computers operate more like humans, Dr. Bellis. They will no doubt one day become so prolific that literally every city, every town, every household will contain one. The trouble is, they may begin to emulate our human behavior, if left unchecked, both the positive and negative aspects. You are right, of course. What can we do to protect the future? Osgood looked thoughtful for a moment, then beamed at Dr. Bellis. Just in case the odd one gets ideas above its station, he saluted at the bemused doctor and then handed him a card with the unit logo on it with a wink, and then went to prize Private Williams away from hugging the tank. <laughs>